7FM. And there it is. podcast and listen to episode number six to discover how a local nonprofit in Corvallis, Oregon provides essential and effective support to gleaners so they can help low-income people feed their families and heat their homes. You can find local folks at kboo.fm. Go to audio, list of programs, podcast, web only, and click on local folks. is KBOO Portland. It's just after 10 a.m. and I'm once again privileged, honored, as well as contractually obligated to remind you that support for KBOO programming comes from Darkside Cinema on Corvallis, open every night featuring independent foreign and art house films. The Darkside is located at 215 Southwest 4th Street between Madison and Jefferson. More information and showtimes available online at darksidecinema.com. And if you are as confused as I was the first few times I read that about 4th Street between Madison and Jefferson, yes, that is in Corvallis. Well, every Friday on KBOO, we bring you Valley Views, which this week talks to a hospice palliative care nurse about death and end-of-life care. And we're going to finish out the hour with Flashpoints. And then at 11, making contact on making contact, Professor Michael Eric Dyson talks about Trump, truth, and race. And all of these KBU programs are made possible. Well, we heard about one of our community members who gets involved to support KBU in the way that makes sense for them. And then there's the membership at large of the KBOO Foundation, of which you can be a part. 
folks who have not yet done so can remedy that oversight at kboo.fm. And you click on the little maroon rectangle with the yellow letters that spell out the word donate. That's how you do. And that's why KBOO can do what it do. Yeah. So, as promised, this is Valley Views on your community radio, KBOO Portland. Hi, I'm Gail Holiday coming to you from Corvallis, Oregon in the bountiful Willamette Valley. Welcome to my show, Valley Views, a forum for sharing relevant topics relating to people and issues in the Willamette region. Hi, good morning, folks. Thanks for joining us today. I'm here today with Christy Wright. She's an RN and a BSN, and she's also a former certified hospice palliative care nurse. Thanks for coming, Christy. Thanks for having me. Yes. Uh, first of all, before we get going, uh, what does, uh, I think most people know that RN is registered nurse, but what is BSN? Ah, that means I have my bachelor's in the science of nursing. So it's a, a, a little bit deeper degree. Uh-huh, mm -hmm. very good, very good. Well, people, I'm going to share a little personal information. My, I, I recently lost my mother um, in late February. She, and she lived here in Corvallis. She, she went very peacefully and something that was very uh, comforting to all of us is that she had a uh, medical directive already completed. It had been completed for years um, and a DNR, a do not resuscitate. And she, like my husband and myself too, we, we have had these documents, um, we've, we've had them filled out and ready to go because we, we wanted to plan for our deaths in a way that um, you know we had some control over what would happen. And the word palliative care, that was the first I'd heard that word, palliative, um, when my mom was um, in the hospital and we were we were being offered some resources, my husband and I were being offered some resources. So Christy, can you talk to us about what is palliative care and talk about this this area of being? Sure, there's, there's a difference mm -hmm. between palliative and hospice. Hospice mm -hmm. um, implies that a prognosis is a six months or less. Mm. And, and so, um, and that's what a hospice team would be looking for and ask from the doctors, what is the prognosis? Yes. Palliative is much more about symptom management. So mm. it, you, a person may be um, working towards or having treatment to prolong life and still be interested in palliative care. So mm -hmm. making sure their pain's under control or their respirations are not being labored or, you know, wanting to live as full and as um, symptom-free life as they can for as long as they can. Yes. Okay, and that makes sense because in the, the condition that my mom was in, actually, it was all about making her comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, she was not really aware that we could tell so much aware of her surroundings enough to have a conversation, but they were managing her pain and they were not giving her water directly, but keeping her lips moist mm -hmm. and making sure that her breathing was, was not labored by either applying oxygen or, mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. So that's what that was all about. What would you say, have you, what are some stories or what, what, what have you seen doing being involved with this, Christy? 
It's, it seems to me that people um, often don't think that they're going to die. You know, the, the ancient um, Hindu uh, sacred writing says that there's no greater miracle in the world than the one, despite all evidence to the contrary, people think that they won't die. And so therefore, mm -hmm. they don't really plan for the end of their life. Um, and so I, th I think that a lot of the struggles come from th not being prepared for that last six months of your life or mm -hmm. the, you know, the last couple of weeks of your life. Uh -huh. um, so some of the things that you can do, I think, to, to um, prepare for that would be to re read a book. Um, I really like Atul Gwande's Being Mortal, mm -hmm. and it talks a lot. He compares end-of-life care in the United States versus the end-of-life care in India. Yes. And, you know, the idea that we use a lot of medical interventions to yes. prolong life as opposed to kind of support the dying process. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, the more you can study and think, mm -hmm. the more you can decide how you want the end of your life to go. Mm -hmm. Because just like I said, despite all evidence to the contrary, we all reach the end of our oh, life. Oh, absolutely. It's the right? one common denominator, yes. yes it, it is yes. a very level yes. playing field, I think. Mm -hmm. And kind of a plot spoiler here for people, we are going to have a part two of this where we're, um, we will talk more about how to access some information and how to prepare for this, have conversations with loved ones, and perhaps some obstacles that people face. Um, I, I will just say that for some reason I've been aware even at a very early age that I'm going to die someday and it's mm -hmm. and it's not a bummer and you know I, I, I I'm wondering if part of that is because when I grew up there were so many elders in my immediate community mm -hmm. and I was very close to my grandmother who lived next door and she passed away when I was 10 and my mom, uh, who lived to be 90, you know, which was is astonishing, but she was the baby of the family. So she had a lot of older siblings. As my dad, he was kind of the baby of his family. So there were all these elder aunts and uncles. And so I watched them age and, and, and die. And their lives were celebrated in my community. And I don't know if that's an African-American thing. I mean, I, I, know, I know we're not the only culture that celebrates life, but it was kind of, I mean, they were respected and honored while they lived, that they were a viable part of the community. I mean, we just loved our elders. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so. Well, I do think that there is kind of a, mm -hmm. a celebration of youth Mm -hmm. in, in, in a lot of society culture. today. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, so I always, when people ask me, you know, what is it about hospice? Uh -huh. I, I always remember this story of when I was little, about four, um, my mom and dad loved to go play cards with, with this other couple. And usually there would be maybe three or four other couples, you know, and they mm -hmm. would go in the evening on Saturday evening and they would they would play cards. Well, one night my mom said, well, we're going to go play mm -hmm. cards with, with all of our friends, but we're going to play someplace else tonight. And I said, hmm. and one of the women's mothers was dying and so they were going to go play cards at her house 
and oh. she was not actively dying, meaning, mm -hmm. she, meaning that she wasn't in bed, but it was imminent. Yes. And so we all showed up at her house, uh -huh. you know, and I, I remember being surrounded by the sounds of young children, you know, playing, mm -hmm. and the adults playing cards. Yes. And it was, it was just a comforting kind of feeling it wasn't right. scary mm -hmm. you know it, it just felt like very natural and, mm -hmm. normal and a wonderful thing to be a part of and I think that flavored colored my perception of end of life right right you know um and and maybe not as scared uh -huh, as uh -huh. I might have been otherwise yeah that's that's yeah that's a wonderful experience mm -hmm. I mean um I I, I, t I tend to look at the death as just another natural cycle of life I mean it is but you know I don't yeah. think anyone as, as long as we've lived mm -hmm. you know we have been a part of this life this world that that we've made and mm -hmm. so to to think about the world without us in it is mm -hmm. very foreign and, and mm -hmm. I think maybe people protect themselves from thinking about that yes but but I do think that it has it has to do with the fact that we've always been in this world as far as we know, hey, as far as we know. yes 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 <laughs> you know yeah and to think about the future without us I think is right. you know is scary mm -hmm. and um, very sad in some, some right. instances. You think of the, your loved ones left behind. Mm -hmm. And also there's the big unknown about what's next. We don't know. <laughs> That's exactly That's right. scary. Yeah. As People. far as we know, I nobody mean, has yes. ever, you know, you know come, done this before. Come back and told us. I mean, there's there's belief systems mm -hmm. and people mm -hmm. um, have beliefs as to what's next. And, but right. There have it. been people, <laughs> so. you know, that have, have mm -hmm. died and been resuscitated. That's true, yes. And, and the, yes. the common denominator mm -hmm. there uh, amongst them all is that they're not afraid to die again. Yeah, that would make sense. It's based on, you know, some. I mean, I read some of the Kubler-Ross stuff mm -hmm, when I was mm -hmm. a teen and you know based on you know the light and the seeing your loved ones or the lightness of it all or the mm -hmm. happiness and mm -hmm. and the warmth and it and and then being told oh you're it's too early yeah. <laughs> you got to go back and people not wanting to come back <laughs> yes, sometimes absolutely. fighting that absolutely. you know coming back you know um, when I'm sitting with people mm -hmm. who are actively dying yeah um, oftentimes there is kind of a threshold that they talk about a door mm. to go through a bridge to cross over yes. a tunnel, mm -hmm. you know, and it is, I think, that transition point. But you're absolutely right. Sometimes they yes. get over on the other side and they say, well, yep. it's not your time. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's just that kind of, um, that feeling of, well, there's also that feeling that people maybe sometimes they're holding on to dear life, that, that term, and then they just surrender into it. It's like, okay. They just, yeah. Yes, you know, some people just seem to have an easier go of it than mm -hmm. others, and, and I'm not exactly sure what that's about. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I think uh, it's, um, you know, some some regrets. Sometimes I mm. think um, the medications have been, you know, caused in increased metabolites, and so we've created some confusion. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's always kind of hard to know what to do to give this person comfort because it yes. seems to be different for everyone what will give them comfort yes I would bet so yeah. I would bet so because everyone is different in their yeah. beliefs. My, my brother mm -hmm. who is just a farmer uh-huh he probably does that better than anyone I know my, uh -huh. when my when our 
aunt was dying, she saw smoke. And instead of saying, there's, you know, there's no smoke, there's no smoke, he, he entered into her um, vision and mm-hmm. said, oh, that's just Brian. He's he wow. lit the trash. How about you know, that? And she it saw calmed smoke. her down, uh-huh. you know, eased her journey. Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, I, this, is, this has been... Um, it's a fascinating topic. It's it's something that touches all of us. But we're at the end of this part of the show, Christy, but I'd love to invite you back for a part two to talk more about this and uh, how people might have these conversations with their families or with themselves. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Sounds good? Okay, Thanks. great. All right, see you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Valley Views. I'm your host, Dale Holiday, and I'd love to hear from you. Comments, questions, ideas for future topics, or other matters you would like explored. Email me at valleyviews at kbu.org. That's V-A-L-L-E-Y-V-I-E-W-S at kbu.org. Special thanks to Chad Howard from Corvallis Access Media for his technical assistance and support.